here's what happened is that in the way that uh in the way that the hackneys the children were into punk and found out that their fathers were in a proto-punk band you guys just found out that the hackney children are also very well connected to the world that we come from I guess so. And you didn't you didn't know until we got here. I assume I, mean, I, kinda, I assume with that, that those oi polloi shirts floating yeah. around. Uh, there was another but. shirt in there that I can't remember but it was even more One of, like There was an Earth Crisis shirt. Earth Crisis shirt. Yeah, what Black shirt was that? I didn't shirt. see that. Uh, you didn't? Just, I almost wow. It was the Animal Liberation one, I think. It was the Animal Liberation one. That's Long great. I can't believe, <laughs> yeah. Now I now I wonder if either of you watched this documentary. I saw that. The So you're questioning if I <laughs> didn't watch it because I didn't notice an Earth Crisis shirt walk by for one no, it second. Wasn't, it, it didn't walk by. It was. It was a. It Matt was a, doesn't a remember frame. the name of the <laughs> band the children are in. The name of the seven inch that the main Dave put out. What? David, the band he put out, Rough <laughs> Francis, and doesn't know anything about Fourth Movement existing. They're on equal par here. Let me just like carve out my space and say. A kid wearing the Animal Liberation shirt wasn't walking by. It was a photograph, freeze frame. Deflecting, deflecting. Yeah, deflecting, deflecting. Welcome to Docs Till Death, the podcast where all punk rockers are talking about punk documentaries. I'm Jeff Garlock. I'm Pete Zellin. And I'm Matt. Also known as Pat. <laughs> <laughs> so today we are talking about Pete. What's the year on this one? This was 2012. your 2012's A Band Called Death uh, is a documentary about a uh, proto-punk band named Death. Uh, put out a record, Lost to the Ages, and then Found to the Ages. Uh, and it is the... Uh, sometimes uh, gut-wrenching story. Uh, I will say halfway through, I was like, fucking Pete. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God damn it. I really didn't want to be sitting in my office at 2 in the afternoon. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Queuing bordering up on, like, I guess I'm going to go weep for a little while. <laughs> the arms of an angel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so luckily they ch- decided to, uh, you know, up the the happiness by having drag city come in uh but uh uh yeah it is uh, uh they put out that one record and then there's also uh a rarities record uh there's also a, a another band we'll get into just a little bit fourth movement uh but uh pete what do we what do we know about this one this was a this was yours this was a pete pick this was a pete pick um so Let's see. This came out in 2012. Please, please uh, clear your throat. <laughs> yeah, can you hack up a lung for a second? Um, it came out in 2012. Yeah. Let me just hold on, guys. Let me just put a potato chip halfway down my esophagus and leave it there and then start talking. Oh, it's my turn to take the lead? Hold on a second. <laughs> So if you could get your fucking shit together, Pete. Yeah. Let, me, let me just put this toothpaste on this toothpaste on on a 
on my toothbrush, put it down my throat, and just I, let it hang there right at the back of my throat. I gotta, I gotta finish Never. blended this smoothie <clears throat> extra thick. Make sure I choke <laughs> half of that one before I start talking. Yeah, yeah, go for that. <laughs> Prime my, my voice with some hot milk. With <laughs> ripping with. Listen, if you were with us last week for for our DK, you would have known I was already a little ill then, and it's still there. All right. Well, it's still. I wasn't ill. I think. It's, I think the house. Is, I think the house is dry. All right. Good. Anyways, so we've got what, a two. What do you got about this movie, Pete? A band called Death <laughs> came out in 2012. Directed by Mark Christopher and Jeff Howlett. I will say, produced <laughs> by, I, f- I found out, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry Ferraro. Who was, <laughs> Can who <I> played, say? <laughs> Jerry Ferraro, who played Turtle in Entourage, was oh, a producer. Interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> and some other guy, Scott Mosher, who I guess has worked with kevin smith very cool uh, we got some so legs behind it got some turtle got some legs, legs behind it yep <laughs> <laughs> and premiered at the la film fest and i think it was at um south by southwest this one i saw i don't know if i saw this i did i didn't see this in the theaters um but i remember seeing it soon after it came out mm-hmm. uh and I clearly forgot most of it because when I watched it this time, it felt like I was watching a new movie. I was like, <laughs> I don't remember a lot of this. Right. I mean, I listened to the record, but I don't remember the documentary that well. Right. Huh. Um, it's weird. It, was it is a little, a little strange. weird. Yeah. It is. A, it's a kind of powerful movie to not remember, and an emotionally charged movie. Yeah, to, I felt like I remembered every single movement of it. Wow. Yeah. Even the fourth? Even the fourth one. Thank you. Wow. They, uh, I mean, I definitely remembered parts of it, but I don't, I didn't remember the whole uh, Rough Francis children's band finding out that their dads and uncle were in this punk band. I just didn't remember. And I wa- I'd also don't know that now that I know the drummer was playing in Converge and the arm that it was like, I've seen this guy on uh, Instagram most recently and right. forgot about this whole past life kind mm. of thing. Hold but on. Let's just, it feels like you're repressing something with this. Yeah, I think I, I am. It feels yeah, like this is like a mental packet you've closed. <laughs> uh, I want to help him here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember when you saw it, I think it was like shortly when I think I was living in Tallahassee when you um, when this came out and when we saw it individually – but then we were talking, and you're like, I know my dad must have been in a, hard, a, a proto-hardcore <laughs> band. I know he was. And you kept bugging him. Yeah. You kept I asking like, him where the seven inches were, and he was a little confused. <laughs> I was like, is my dad also a punk? Howie! <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't. Howie! <laughs> Are you a punk? It would have been like a dream come true. Sure. I mean, like, that is oh, a very, uh, like... It's it is a wild moment in the movie. Not to jump ahead, but just like because I did have that, I was just like, "What would be the thing I'd find out about my dad?" <laughs> that isn't the you know stuff I did want to find out. About. <laughs> but like, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I I 
I I mean, actually, though, I think I'd be kind of bummed to find out. I mean, it seemed like they had, like, a pretty great relationship with their family. It's yes. a very tight family. Uh, uh, you know, to, to there, you need that to find out that uh, your parents uh, did the thing that you maybe do currently and not question everything you've done. You know what right. I mean? Like, I think my gut reaction at their age would have been like, oh, fuck. I'm like, you're going to become a fucking Wall Street banker now. <laughs> well, what's so interesting is that they knew their dad, their, 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 the, the guys were musicians. Right. But they just didn't associate them in that way, you know? And then, like, I thought it was also interesting if, and we, we will come back to this later, but, like, if I examine that, like, when the dad and the uncle were hearing their kids play this music. And it was like surprising to me that the dad and the uncle were never like, hey, you know, we used to make loud music too. Not just, not reggae music, but something that's a little <laughs> yeah. bit like this. Do you want to hear it? I mean, there's probably a whole host of reasons why they didn't, but it's um, it's clear that, it, you know, that, that. Yeah. I mean, I'm just surprised they both didn't see each other in an Earth Crisis show. <laughs> that is confusing, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you talk about th- you're talking about the kids and then your dad. Yes, right. I mean, because they both were obviously going. Um, well, I also, I you know, I think that's a good point. I, I wonder. Obviously, there's like a similar sound going on, but it doesn't seem like the fathers, uncles, the older Hackneys were in the punk world. So, like, yeah. you know, they may not have known maybe who Black Flag were when the kids were yeah. in the shirt. So it's not resonating with them of kind of like, oh, but, but I also understand what you're saying that like they were playing more aggressive music. Well, yeah, I didn't think about that, but they're like, it doesn't, again, it's, you know, it, it's actually part of a larger topic I want to talk about anyways, uh, like the kind of like story of the band. Uh, but the story that's kind of presented to us, it, I, I, I would love to know the answer of how did their uncle David never bring it up like because he seems like the type of guy that would have brought up mm-hmm. if you know that death was so important to him and that his music you know the the statement that he told his brother of like I, I I know that when I die this music will go out to the world also I know there's plenty of things in my family that have never come up so maybe it's just <laughs> one of those like you know families are confusing sort of thing um, well, they, they, one of the kids talks about it. Um, one of the, the 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 nephews, I mean, alludes to something where he's like, "I basically never met my uncle when he wasn't drunk." Right. That's Which true. I think, and I think there's a, you know, it, I mean, that, that's that. I mean, that section is like when it hits the. I guess the, even that of coming from part. yeah, like uh, you know, alcoholism and family. I'm just like, oh, and it wasn't. Uh, I'm not saying this flippantly, but I'm like, oh, he wasn't the type of then, you know, alcoholic that talks a lot about his life, like right. and like what he's done and all this stuff. Like, I'm just like, oh, that's just a different type than I know. Not the narcissistic yeah. alcoholic. Yeah. 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 Well, um, we're going to come all we sh- we're going to get to all this. But should we I mean, Pete, do you want to lay out sketch out what we watched here? Like, <coughs> as you fucking continue to talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do you, yeah. you want to like sure. walk us through the mo- walk us through the movements? I'll walk you through some movements, uh, and you guys can fill in. I mean, I think Jeff did a, a nice little intro there, but um, Death was oh, a thank band. Thank you so much. 
You're welcome. The Hackney. Uh, what about what about the way I kind of Jesus Christ transitioned into our open dialogue into like trying to focus us into just a quick recap of the movie. That was pretty good, right? Yeah, that was pretty good. Pretty I mean, thank you very much. Thank you very much. You're trying to <laughs> win back points after the dismal start, and we're still not sure if you actually saw this movie. But um, yes, we're. I'll, I'll take the compliment. Okay. I'll just say I'll just take the compliment, and, and I'll I'll I'll, um, I'll I'll see the rest of my time to the kind gentleman wearing the Bruins sweatshirt, <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna give us a recap of the episode. Fucking give us a recap, that guy. <laughs> oh, it's a Pete's pick. Uh, so, oh, we we got David, Bobby, and Dennis Hackney. Who I kept wanting to say Dennis. Yeah. Uh, and sure it sounds like they're saying Dennis when they yes. say it. Yeah. Uh, but they started a band. The first band was Rockfire Funk Express. Love it. Very nice name. I did um, not find any Rockfire Funk Express record, but I do think there might be at least one tiny release I would like. To okay. Do. I I actually did not explore, but uh, I actually forgot about that whole part. Very cool. What are you, Matt? Yeah. So uh, they then turned into death after the passing of their father. Um, sort of, kind of, maybe I don't know if it recentered the music itself, but I think gave the band a different life of where they wanted to go. And um, you know, David seemed to be the leader. the The brothers grew up in this environment that was very encouraging, and their sort of whole I don't know if motto, but was that, you know, basically you're going to have each other's back no matter what. And so right. what one brother says sort of goes and they're going to stick up for each other. You know, watch each other's back and you're going to take in everything. There you go. That was a big and element so, of it. The dad made them watch the Beatles. Yes. Kind of started a, you know, you will have a kind of uh, taken every aspect of it. So it's just like kind of small world. The who came to town, David saw them and was just like, that is it. Uh, and then also on top of it, they saw Alice Cooper and they were like, they were like, that was just like, they already were kind of like embracing everything. Uh, uh, you know, this is a story they're giving us. They were embracing everything. And then they were kind of pushing back against people just being like, you know, as they said, like that's white boy music. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, David really like had like the kind of vision. It seems like his idea of, which I was like, oh, this I love this part that his idea of pure rock and roll was like, yeah, yeah, you've got your your hit. He's like the rest of the album. That's what it's about. He's like, that's fucking that's real rock and roll. That's real fucking music. Uh, it's pretty intense. Awesome. Like it's pretty intense. The drive that the three of them had to yep. just make some, you know, like when you think about like DIY, or, you know, and in that time where it was sort of like. You know, one of them made their own drum, but they were. We they, come you know, from a DIY scene that in retrospect, let's just be honest. A lot of us were uh, DIY and a little lazy. Like we would like DIY kind of like, you know, get these records out of the mail. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't know who we're talking about. <laughs> but because no, I agree, like they were like combined with it seemed like their family. Like it was like, you know, they had like a big chunk of it, too, was that the the, the mother got into a car accident right. and got a settlement and kind of was Which just must like, have been pretty decent for the gear that they talked about that they got. I know it wasn't know. as expensive then, but. Just the amount of gear. It's like, oh, I got two guitars, full setup. Fenders. A Rick. A Rick, a Fender, yeah. Oh, yeah. A Slingerling set. 
yeah. like a really nice like <laughs> yeah so the drive continued i mean they just picked a studio that they were going to go to by throwing a dart at a uh yeah. newspaper page of different recording studios yeah and then it was just like all right this is where we're going because that must be a sign from god i guess and then just tried to get signed i mean got to the point where they were talking to to um clive davis which my, then maybe wasn't like kind of boss there at Arista. who yeah. you know then i don't know how big he was at that point but obviously now is like a huge name uh he I was know. big then he was, it was okay. huge yeah but and um, they turned it down because they didn't want to get rid of the name death because david had this larger concept of what death was that's one of my two questions about the movie. Yeah. About the narrative. Mm-hmm. Well, it was my only question about the narrative. I have one question about the movie, but, like, things that just didn't, like... Was it really just the name? Like, this in the, like, in the telling, it was just the name. Mm-hmm. But it feels like... I think... Could the, it, I think the name, the name was uh, the significance of the theme. I think, you know, to me doing what I think I do in here a lot of times, my, like, armchair psychoanalyzing, but it's not that armchair. Like, as P had mentioned, clearly the death of their father, like, affected all of them very deeply. Right. It clearly seems like, you know, it might not be the whole thing, but, like, it affected David in a very different way. Like, like, whether he maybe had, you know, other things going on, but, like, it, it, it led to those bits of just like he's kind of this like you know genius to them that they back up but to the point where they're like what the fuck are you talking about but i think the name debt or i don't think the idea it wasn't just the name if you broke it down to just like why wouldn't they just change the name but it's because the Mm. the name death was a positive spin on death and that the three dots of the triangle of death represented the spiritual the mental and the physical and then the guiding spirit, which was God. I think this that concept to him was. I get that. that. Was, so that's, but I think the concept was the name. You couldn't. He couldn't detach the right. two. But you I wonder know, why I, I, that they then felt okay changing the fourth movement later. Because they don't, became a different band. Well, yeah. Right? But, hold, hold on. Before yeah. we go to that, Pete. I didn't mean that way, Jeff. I meant the other way. Like for the labels. Like, like it was it oh. really like. Was death really like the name that much of? Uh, I think at that um, time, possibly for I mean, what they did they, for say, the world they were coming from. The one guy, the main guy from United, whatever, couldn't even say the word death. Like right, he, and he the, spelled it out. He was like, and they want to call themselves D E A T H. And the like, the letters yeah. that they, you know, if you if you looked at the letters that they showed that they got back from labels, like it did say the the label said you know we're going to pass on the music and the the band name um or something referencing that and they also did talk about them not being able to get shows because of the name on top of that just from like a local level you know i was trying to think like bands so that this was in the mid early mid 70s right um i was trying to think like what other band names are out there that you know, it just, it just feels like, I mean, to, to, to it, it feels like I know that they're, they're experiencing, like, the, there was a lot put on us, 
um, to change the name and we're not doing it. I get all that. And it makes a lot of sense. I don't, I, I don't think it's, you know, I think it's sort of like, like a, a kind of a, a sharp moment of integrity and commitment to your vision and all that stuff. I get that. I was just like, is there some, like, I don't like your name. You know, I don't like, I don't like the whole thing. I don't like the image. I don't like the name. Like, it just feels like, a, I, I don't know. It just, it's really so hard for me to reconcile. Like, I mean, is Black Sabbath, like, not an offensive name? Is Comus not an offensive name? I'm, like, I'm asking, like, are there other band names that are just, like... But even those, like, Sabbath is maybe the only one that would be the question. Like, Comus was, like, a small label, like, I think. Like, yeah, and, like, yeah, and it's right. not really yeah. much of anything. Um, you know, it is it is what they were saying. Like, they were... It, uh, uh, the main guy from the publishing before clive davis like he that he didn't even really like the music it was the one a and r guy really uh mm -hmm. who liked it uh and you know but still was coming from i can't remember I, maybe bobby said of just like this everyone was listening to earth wind and fire and then there mm -hmm. was us like so it's even that like earth wind and fire like no that's just like i i it does seem odd but also it was like the 70s slash record labels like of that level are manipulating every i mean they always are but that's like right um you know that i I've, I've talked about it too much this year but the waiting for impact podcast about sudden impact like goes through the eight different band names that they were given like and right. you know it's a different world but it was just like oh that name doesn't work let's switch to this let's switch to this like the name isn't important but like the immediately it's just like if you still have a world that's uh, I think they I, I would guess they already knew they had both a marketing they had a marketable band to some extent, but also were fighting an uphill battle and the well, name well, death on top of a th of three black men. Right. Playing heavier music is an even harder battle. Yeah, I, that I I think to that point, that's probably. Sort of what it was it harder hard, because you yeah. think about I mean, I don't know what you know, they saw Alice Cooper. And I don't know. I don't know enough about Alice Cooper. I imagine he was still doing the same sort of shtick back then. Uh, more, more so. And like, but so Alice Cooper was like a larger uh, local draw, and was a uh, uh, band at one point. So it's kind of a different thing. And I think what is it? The second record is on Zappa's label slash produced. So it had the push of Zappa. Hmm. who it's not my place like i don't know what was going on in these people's minds but like it does feel like there might be some other things going on. well let me put it in context like so after they do death and it gets rejected they 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 turn and they do a more kind of overtly kind of praise oriented band called mm -hmm. fourth dimension and <laughs> there fourth movement jesus christ i'm sorry yeah jesus christ exactly when they get the reviews for their album mm -hmm. or for their music there it's like i love we love the rock but we don't like the christian the, the heavy-handed christian kind of themes yeah right and at that point if you put those two in conversation with each other the I, we, we don't want to sign you because your name is death and then no um we love the music we don't like death we we love the music we don't like the christian thing it's kind of like damned if you do damned if you don't you know and it, and at that point i'm like um i would say but it is like it's pretty overt in fourth movement. It's not just like, oh, we kind of course corrected. 
and made mm-hmm. it like less in your face. It's not secular music. Like it is right. just like straight up like Jesus Christ. <laughs> like that it's in and and in an, a kind of aggressive way with also still not completely marketable music. Like uh, uh, it's it's it it still has a slight weirdness to it, like in in it being a little bit more of like a kind of psych record in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Well, that's a different issue, right? Because like when the first Black Sabbath record is, you know, like which is coming, and you know, like mm-hmm. it's like the religious or the like. You could have said like, well, the Satanist stuff isn't like really marketable. I don't know. I'm just, I I it feels like. There's there are other things working against them at the time than the name, you know. Like it feels like, and you guys alluded to it, and I, I was just trying to like. Maybe I guess think I would also say this bit. though, which also maybe leads to a larger question, not larger question, a larger topic. In uh, saying this is, uh, you know, and it's all uh, opinion, obviously, mm-hmm. but I think even that, like, I'm like, I'm saying this as I I I like the death record a lot. It's no Black Sabbath. Like, I mean, just like legitimately just thinking about like there was room for Black Sabbath because they were Black Sabbath. Even the fact that they're starting their first record with the tritone as the first riff is insanity. But at the end of the day, they still are Black Sabbath. And it's like the thing with the death record that I thought about a lot because that's part of the narrative of the story of this the movie that we're getting is like it's a lost classic uh it should have had its day it's the same thing that it's the same story that will come up if we ever do the pentagram record or the pentagram documentary Mm -hmm. right where it's like Bobby could have been the next Black Sabbath Bobby Liebling and I'm saying this as someone who truly loves pentagram like they still are no Black Sabbath. <laughs> like, yeah. like even their best song is not as good as even some of like Terminal Ecstasy or something. Like, and I love both of those bands. But it was something I started thinking about. This is like, uh, the the record is very good, but is the story of uh, this that we uh, the story of like the that they were like a lost classic that they were kind of lost to time is that stronger in some or like how important is that to it becoming this record that gets reevaluated at some point um uh like i think about it a lot because i've had this conversation on and off with like especially like my buddy mike pace like we used to talk about it with like private press records and I remember yeah. him like a long time ago, just kind of like boldly saying, and I don't know if he, I'm kind of like summing up what he was saying, but he was just like, I, I'm sick of private press records. Like, honestly, like if it was that good, we would have found it. Like, none of these are that great. Like, but I think oftentimes this, it's the, this, I guess I was thinking like, is the story is always important to a piece of art, the story of the creation, the story of all of it, but like how important is it to the newer narrative of death because even as we're saying we're we're talking about like but what if they you know them compared to a black sabbath i'm just like well it isn't the same exact thing uh i guess the story is compelling and how much is it more compelling than the actual record 
to some well, extent. I, I mean, we, we should walk through it slowly, but I, just to respond like to that quickly, I think if I'm thinking about like proto-punk records, mm-hmm. it's one of the best. It still you know, is very great. I guess it, it, it is one. I mean, like it, I would take it over any New York Dolls record in a in a heartbeat. I would I take would it over too. like like I would take it over a lot of records. Yeah, it's it's a really good. you know so but but there's that issue which like which is a, a kind of a fun question to ask Jeff. You know, like just like where does it rank? Does it rank? But it also, in a weird way, is is different, but ties into, I think the the kind of thing I was trying to just provoke without really we can't have an answer, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing I was trying to provoke was, it's hard to see, it's hard to imagine that race wasn't part of um, the 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 inability for them to get a record deal. Yeah. But then the the other thing, just to wrap it up, we go back to you know walking through whatever. But you said like, oh, is the story better than the thing? I actually don't think you can separate the story from the race question either. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Some of the appeal is this wish fulfillment of this group of black guys getting their 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 you know from Detroit getting their just dues. Yes. You know, and there is like something about that where like they obviously deserve better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um. And, and and like there's some weird way in which us liking them and giving them their due makes us feel like we're on the good side right. or that like their experience is vindicated. Well, I think that's just it. Just was like a bit of yeah. Maybe we will come back to it. Maybe even around the record collectors or just finish up my dumb thought on this. Like, but just Go like yeah. Well, just the thought of like I I it ends up being a thought experiment almost that I have a lot lately with like certain records like. Uh, uh, you know, looking at some of Drag City, but even like a lot of records on Light in the Attic, like they're yeah. definitely like a fair amount that I'll just be like, the story's great, and we've all glommed onto the story, but like if it and and it's and you can't ever separate the story of it, but you know something like I the while watching this, like the ones that popped in my head were, uh, Joe and Donnie Emerson the like running wild LP because that is a great story. I had no idea that they're making a movie out of it starring fucking Walter Goggins as <laughs> the drummer and like Casey Affleck, like that they shot like a month ago. Uh, but because like the story is great. And then when I was like re-listening to the today, I was like, it's like a pretty good record. Like the one song baby is really good. That's used in like the comedy and is using like every indie movie, like Celeste and Jesse date forever or whatever. Uh, but if I did, it's like I try to like sometimes think about it. I was like, if I didn't have the story of that, like, would it be, would I just be like, yeah, it's just another record? Like, it's just another kind of fine, you know, semi psyche, but kind of sounds like Nick Drake record, like vocal wise. Or Linda right. Perhex, or is I think that's her name, like Parallelograms. That it's like it was the lost record and she was just like a dental hygienist and then we found it and redid it and like again I think it's pretty good. It's got some moments, but the story like elevates it. Or on the other end, like I I think why I think in this way, because it's just like overthinking about music and it's like I was thinking about it in terms of death too. I'm just like like I, I you know, I've I've and it but this connects to the movie too. Uh uh but like I was like thinking about uh, uh, Suzanne Menzel like that's another light in the attic record and that is one that I found out from 
uh, Elijah Wood, <laughs> <laughs> like who's in this. But that was one is like some video where he's talking about his record collection. He was like, talk about this amazing record. And then like when I finally heard it, it really was one that was like worth the story. Like to me, like I listened Shout out to Amoeba Records. What's in my bag? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it was like a weird dumb one with his DJ friend. And they both were just uh, sitting around drinking like overly brewed coffee, like talking with their weight, like $10,000 record player. And I was like, what the fuck could this record be? And then when I heard it, I was like, oh, this my this is a life changer. Like, I listen to this record more than I listen to most records. Or Michael Garrison that I talk about all the time. Like, that right. is like this lost <laughs> gem, but part of it is the story that it's this lost gem. But I guess you, it is no, just an interesting thing to me. Like, just like thinking no, in those terms. I, but I think there's probably, and I think part of it's probably because we've grown up connected to, you know, an underground music scene. That there's mm-hmm. bands that we don't take for granted because we've heard them, right? But don't make the rounds because they pressed 500 records and played for a year, and that you know, and then they were gone. You know when you, sure, yeah. And so I think some of those bands could have a similar story, but they don't seem so out of grasp or out of reach for us because. A I've heard that called one eyed God. There we go. That's Something a great like doc. that. <laughs> right. So I do think there's bands that, but we. A band called Quitsat's Hatterack. Yeah. They're pissed that we just gave them a name drop because <laughs> they still like to hide who they are for some reason. <laughs> but I agree. Yeah, I agree that it's like there is. Uh, I mean, that's also part of it, too. I like, I, I actually was happy to find out that it's seemingly all of the talking heads at the beginning, like didn't seem to know them from back in the day. Cause I was waiting for, like, I was just like, I don't like it, but I was like, God damn it. I hope kid rock doesn't know them (laughs) from back in the day. Like it would just, but I was like, but it also would make sense. It would be like the local bands, you know, that like, we know that it's just like, you know, like your Bane Pete, but exactly. What a waste but of like, talking heads, though. Huh? What, like, what a waste of talking heads. I As soon as I heard Rollins' voice, I was just like, what do we got it? Why do we need to hear Rollins talk about this? Like, because we had Rollins, Kid Rock, just the worst. <laughs> like, the worst. Just and it's only worst. gotten worse from then. Like, just Only terrible. got worse from the documentary, exactly. Uh, Who, Rollins or Kid Rock or both? No, Kid Rock. Yeah. Uh, Pete's, oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Nice guy. Just Pete Kid just Rock. Rollins. Just Kid yep. Rock. Uh, Alice Cooper and Questlove. And, and, and Elijah Wood. And Dirt Bombs. And Elijah Wood. Oh, and, and the guy Dirt from Bombs. the Dirt Bombs, yeah. There was, uh, I found a deleted scene that had... Um, uh, oh, and Vernon Reed. MC. Oh, yeah, Vernon Reed. and Ah, uh, the, 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 uh, the number one for Matt. The, the goat, yes. They had, uh, <laughs> exactly. The guy from the MC5, I can't remember his name right now. Wayne Kramer. Wayne Kramer. Which didn't make the, the cut, obviously. Wow. wow. That was also interesting. If, if like, I mean, we're just kind of, like, I mean, detouring. I want to I wanna come back to all the stuff we're talking about. But, like, just a detour, like. We've got tabs we, open. We, That's why we have tabs. You, yeah. so we're going to pull back the tabs. <laughs> no hentai. Um, and so. Uh, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> squirt, squirt. Yeah. Let me share my screen. Uh, the. Uh, Shut down Garage Band, but now we've all looked ahead time together. <laughs> Just saying, watch the the um, I I what I didn't remember, but 
from the first time that Pete was like having, you know, emotional mental blocks of things. But like, I didn't remember how important the who were to right. these guys mm-hmm. and, to, and to David in particular. And then when you hear like, dun, 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 like you could hear like the who yeah. like dynamic in, um, influence there or like not influence, that not be the right word, but like, you know, that's how they're approaching the guitar and drum interaction, you know, the structures okay, so are not that like, so there's influence. like, yeah, an influence in those structures of how those riffs are played. It's called. Yeah. An influence. And then, but it is surprising. Like, cause people are Wayne Kramer that like the Stooges and uh, MC five are not mentioned mm-hmm. as influences it's at all, which is very, uh, except for maybe one little review said something about them that we just like, it gets scrolled through because, mm. but yeah, like, but, well, because you know, I do think, as always, we kind of jump around a little bit. Like, we mentioned, like, Questlove saying this that is the hottest this take. was, well, Questlove saying that basically, like, when he heard it, it was like, this is what the Ramones did, but earlier. It was yeah. just confusing to me because I was just like, I know that you know music. Yeah, he knows music very well. Very right, well, so and is... like it's fine, like in and whatever. I don't care if Joey Ramone's brother is just like, yeah, I agree. Like it's not a slight on either of the bands, but you're just like it. They don't, they don't no, sound not, like the Ramones. They are not Phil Spector influenced. Like you know what I mean? Not going like, for the same thing. They don't have the same type of drum beat. They don't have the same type of rhythms. But I think it can. Why I'm thinking of this now is that it does connect to. Uh, why wouldn't you do the connecting of the dots to any of the bands that they mm-hmm. mention or MC Five? <laughs> like uh, 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 it's all kind of right there. Like because they are like it is. Uh, they are a proto-punk band, but that statement makes them more punk than they are in a lot of parts. Yes. Like, they're a proto-punk band, but they're also, like, a proto-metal band. Like, there's an argument for, like, proto-metal sections. Like, um, uh, in, in songs, I mean, Politician in My Eyes, like, kind of, like, alternates. So, I was just, like, yeah. you've got, like, kind of, like, static like, kind of, like, like herky uh, uh almost like like there's a like the littlest bit of like perupu like sort of like that kind of like yeah. franticness of the like that kind of like rhythm and then going into the chorus which is unbelievable chorus like i just think the section it's got master puppet vibes yes well because it's got an epic melody to it that is so metal um in a great way um, and weirdly, there was a moment where, like, when I was re-listening, I think it was just the first song in the the order of the record. But I was like, this sounds more like Fear than the Ramones. Mm. Like, you could, I could draw yeah. a cleaner lineage, but because of the Ramones or the the Fear's musicianship in the way they play and like kind of like reevaluating old. They're not, uh, besides when, like, you know, leaving does his, like, crooner voice thing. Um, it's just like but the way the drums work it. with the guitar. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like, it's that syncopation. Yes. It's, uh, but it, I, yeah. And another way of saying this, Jeff, is that, the like, Ramones Questlove, wrote one song. 
yeah, and repeated them. And, and but the and and death never does a song that sounds like the Ramones. No, I just seem yeah. like such a lazy comparison. Well, that's a, I yeah, think that, that's why it bummed me out because yeah. again, we all of us said just like, but you know, music mm-hmm. Questlove. Like, it doesn't do the band any favors. You know no. what I mean? Like it, it puts them in the. But it's a it's that weird thing where, um, you know, because he Questlove says they were the. I mean, I think the quote is I'm paraphrasing, but pretty pretty close to the to the bone. They were the Ramones before the Ramones were the Ramones. Right. And the title of that New York Times article um, that got the ball rolling, you know, or didn't get the ball rolling, got the ball rolling for the documentary, yeah. but it was after, I think, you know, some things had been set in motion for the record. And it said, this band was punk before punk was punk. punk. So it's a really a paraphrase of that line. Right. Um, and, I mean, just, I mean, this is the, like, we could just, like, sit in this and it's like, why does the New York Times and this is like kind of ties back into like all like my hobby horses here like why does the New York Times write that headline? Why does it publish this article? So the guy's like, "Oh yeah, this is the most read article, you know, and people were everyone who I the guy who wrote that article who's in the movie said, you know, when they get to the point when I mean, f- f- we haven't talked about it, but there's that whole turn in the movie when after David dies and the other two brothers are doing their own thing, um, playing in their reggae band, just living different lives, and and then I actually don't remember some guy who had like been holding copies of their seven inch for like fifteen twenty years. It was the guy who did the art on the forty five, right. and they didn't have money to mm-hmm. pay for it. Right. So then they were like, "Here, just take some seven inches." And then he's kind of like, "What am I doing with these?" Sitting I mean, and, and been there, been there, done that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But he sits on, on a ends. very long time. <laughs> yeah, sits on and them. He brought and they them find to them. this like record store in Detroit, which I've been to, I think, and um, and found nothing there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, no, no death seven inches. And I don't think um, any of us have met any of those record collector guys that get interviewed, and we all know those guys at the same time. <laughs> like immediately right. when they came out, I was just like, no, boy. <laughs> like, yeah, the guy who's got the alert for the eight hundred dollar death record yeah. on eBay. Yeah. It's like that's a. That's a pun. Like, those know, are those moments when I look back at my record collection. I'm just like, what are you doing, Jeff? Like, this is yeah. the stuff that does it makes get you, you doubt excited. yourself, right? Yeah, because like when they're talking about the thrill of the hunt, basically, which is what my wife always calls it, but just that idea of like you'll find the record that you didn't know anything about and it changed your life. Like, it's like, yeah, that's one of the reasons after all this time you still go digging for records and why I still buy them, but. Then Listen. also when you're doing it, you're elbow to elbow with all of these guys too. When you're like, yeah. maybe I'm them. Right. Oh yes. no. I, if anybody, if anybody out there, listeners, has a nuclear crayons seven inch, um, sure. You, you'll get a shout out if you send it to me. Neanderthal the, uh, fighting music just on a purple, baby. I can't. I hey. can't. Hey, me and Matt can't wait to get these seven inches so we can file them away and then never listen to them and just <laughs> yes, listen right. to it on YouTube instead because it's we'll, a lot easier. We'll gladly have you on episode and you can talk oh, with Matt easily. Easily. Yeah. The other is like the only kind of like narrative issue with the movie was like that whole record collector thing in the mo- in the middle of it mm-hmm. where it's just like wait. I, I get that like people are discovering this record, but it didn't seem like it, it was like it was just like things are happening for death, you know, like or like. And I guess that is kind of how it happens, yeah. you know, if you're like, but so the guy drops the records off and the records are going for, for, and then like, just like all of a sudden there's heat behind death. And what was, well, what you know was what the, it is just to say, I think part of it is it goes from, 
uh, as we kind of joked about, just like, fuck you, Pete, for making us like cry in the middle of the day because <laughs> it's like a truly, you know, touching story. And like the death of the of David is truly like feels gut wrenching. And you're just like, yeah, death is terrible and it affects us all and blah, blah, blah. And then it's needed, but it is like a very harsh, quick turn to like. And then there's this record nerd, and then there's a nerd, and then another nerd, and then a blogger, and then fucking the guy from Chunklet who's going to be a kind of pain in the ass about it. He's going to put a fucking these songs up, and everyone's going to love them. And then all of a right. sudden, Drag City's like, you got to get me this. But then also, you got to get me more songs. We're not just going to put yeah. out the seven inch. And then, boom, that's my dad. And you're like, whoa, I'm still like yeah. over here, like emotionally recovering. <laughs> It worked though because like I didn't want to be in that space like because it was like you know like you were in that like dark space with these brothers or like kind of empathizing yeah. with them, and you're like fuck oh, like this is away. rough. It felt too personal. Or like and it's good that they did, but it like it felt like that was like oh this is your space. This is your personal world here. Yeah, it it made a move. I mean, but like even thinking of just like watching a film, like it made a it, that transition as abrupt as it was made sense in a narrative sense and. Is, I mean, what I can't think of many other movies <laughs> that have been able to pull off that transition because yeah. it pulls it off. Yeah. Like, like, but like, it's like, oh God, thank you for the record. Like, only time ever that like the like like a barrage of recorders is like is a reprieve from. Thank God the, they're flipping through forty fives. Oh yeah. God, I hope this guy has brought a portable children's yeah. record player so he could annoyingly play a hundred soul 45s at Please, three second clips over like as quickly as possible on the worst sounding speaker but pitch volume so you're blowing my eardrums out <laughs> I need you to tell me real quick what subgenres you collected <laughs> right now. Please tell me. HBK. Yeah, yeah. That was. I think that was his cousin. Yeah. Never was I so happy to see Jello show up. It's like, oh, oh. Jello. Oh, yes. Yeah. Jello yeah. sounded like. <laughs> Jello sounded like the Mister Show sketch <laughs> when Bob Odenkirk does the impression of like that Doctor Demento, and he's like, "This one gets two squeaks because it's just so weird." Like, yeah. And he's talking about the werewolf bar, or not the werewolf bar mitzvahs, 30 Rock, but uh, uh, he's talking about the monsters having a party subgenre of music, <laughs> Mr. Show sketch. But because Jello was like a cartoon of Jello, Jello was. was the impression that we do yeah. of Jello wearing a Satan is real shirt. Uh, uh, from oh. the Lovett Brothers, <laughs> I believe, uh, and uh, and then mm. of course, like yeah, half of those records. He's like, this why? Is the, why is this he sharing is those Christian? records? Like, I, I guess why. just to show he's got weird collection, yeah, uh, and that he's yeah. the one who would be psyched to find it. Um, <laughs> so okay, it was so a real burst got, too. He, does he come back, or was that the only Jello? Like, no, that's it. That that you just get him real quick, throwing records at you. <laughs> <laughs> then he's gone. This one but, gets two squeaks because <laughs> it's the weirdest. <laughs> <laughs> All these guys though are recognizable as record nerds. The guy, I think, the blonde-haired guy who looks like Ty Siegel or whatever you say his name, that guy might work for um, what's the um, White Stripes guy's oh, name? Oh, Jack White. Third, third. You think he works Jack White. Third he might, man. Third man. I think he might work for Third that would Man. Make sense. Uh, um, what is the connection but, of the guy who had the alert? But then he's also like, and I was also friends. I don't, then I called Drag City, and it was like, you need this. And I was like, wait, did I not get a subtitle of, like, 
this is the guy from Slint or something. Like just something like I just Fred Armisen's manager. Or, yeah, I think he's just. A I, I got the impression maybe. he was just like, like a. I imagine too, but I didn't know why he had a bat bat phone line directly to Drag City <laughs> when he finds rare Proto Punk seven inches. But maybe they, he's they, their A and R. Maybe he's uh, their uh, Clive maybe. Davis. But these guys, I mean, like it's like. It, the record nerds are. I mean, like, there's a, there's a, they're like, we're record nerds, yes. but there's like, there's like, a, there's another level oh, yeah. when you're spending eight hundred dollars for a record that you have not heard. Yes, it's the the yeah the like that's the FMU crowd was a fair right. amount of that. Uh, yeah, I feel my like buddy that Jerry, alone my would... buddy Jerry Fuchs was close, but I would watch him pull himself back, and he was the one who could have went that way. Uh, I feel like uh, that alone would bug me to deter me from even going. Like. I could be excited about trying to go find records, and it's like I'm like the nuclear crisis. Exactly, and then I'm going to be around all, the time. all these. I guys can picture certain people all the time at, from certain fairs. I'll be like, "Oh, there's the guy in the purple suede jacket. He's going to smell." <laughs> like, and then like I can picture the guy that I'm talking about that like would have the fucking uh, uh, the 45 player, and just like on his like knees. Yeah. In the middle of the aisle, that's too small for one person, let alone him. It's no fun. Uh, the old man who has a hundred classical dollar LPs. Uh, the guy who's buying a Beatles record like he's never bought one before, <laughs> and you're like, "Well, how do you not have this yet?" But then you realize it's because he's buying some mono press right. of yesterday and today, or this bullshit. Ugh, so many of those guys. And then there's the guy wearing like a Boston Bruins hoodie. Hey. hey. Uh, usually selling but like a, you know, instead bank. LP for like two hundred and fifty dollars, <laughs> and you're like, yeah. what happened here? So all of this stuff happens. The record nerds get a hold of it. Um, uh, what would you call it? I don't know if the Drag City got the record and put it out before the New York Times story was published. I do remember the New York Times right. story. I think well, it was pretty Pete, close know? because, yeah, in the caption at the top of that article it says, uh, the band's seventy four demo tape was released last month. So I okay. think so I would yeah, imagine so that it was then. yeah yeah I would imagine so it, was it was a press record cycle. release party mm-hmm. right they sold so, the story that is what is the story but yes go on Matt so they sold the story right so that's totally true and so what one way of um, kind of interpreting that is just that the story does a lot of work for a lot of people right it's just that's just that's not even like uh, that's not a read that's just like kind of that's the main text the the the, the question I think is interesting is. Why does the New York Times get off on publishing that? So, like, you know, the New York Times doesn't really traffic in punk, doesn't traffic in, like, legit record nerd stuff, you know? Like, what is it? it they, they're not telling stories about, um, it was like, a lot of young hardcore kids are really into no trend now. Um, so, like, so when, I think the Drag City, oh, no, who put out the Touch and Go or Drag City, whoever put out their box set of their, <laughs> Like seven inch in the LP, blah, 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 blah. like they're right. not doing that. So why? What year did the did the Drag City record come out? Do we 2009. know? Two thousand nine. Yeah. And the movie 2009. came out two thousand twelve. Okay, that feels late. Then I was gonna say because it connects uh, more to the like kind of rock explosion worlds of the earth, but I don't think so. I think it's like. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe that maybe there was a cycle. Maybe it's like why uh, the there's like the period 
that will probably end or has ended of like hardcore coverage on NPR where it's like, I think there's a person who works there. Like, and it's just kind of like pushing it enough that they like, you know, they cover the other stuff, but also I think like, it's a good story. Like, I think that's part of it though, too, is this, it is a good story. The story, uh, works pretty well as like a, you know, a nice piece. Like, and we see it in it the does. documentary. I think that's part of it. Like, it, again, it's a little, it, it's in a different realm, but like, it's a comparison of death versus, uh, uh, you know, black Sabbath. But like, I, I know it was just when you saw the top of your head, but I'm like death versus no trend. Like, it's just like, that's not really a story like of no trend. I well, certainly, yeah, there isn't a story there. There's like that's no, the main thing. No they all they care tape. about is the story. It's a little bit like, you know, questioning like what you and I especially will always question, just like NPR covering this band or this band. It's just like, well, what are you seeing in it, or are you just seeing some story? Like, or like, what is the logic? Like, why why did you glom onto this? Um, so. So that's but but then it raises the question like what makes it a good story mm-hmm. or is it that question again which we talked about and there it's like it's hard to not like again this isn't a slag on the movie this isn't a slag on the band this isn't a slag on like anything it's I'm like just trying to like wrap my head around the it, I mean like on in the, on the most like immediate level that NPR not NPR that New York Times article. And then, like, the significance it has. Like, why is that story important to people? Why did it connect? Why did the, the writer say, I've got so many more responses about that than anything else, right? Because why is it? So you could just say, oh, because it connected. But punk doesn't connect with these. It's like NPR is, no, Jesus Christ, New York Times doesn't do punk, right? Right. But it's just like, it's, it, and so it's hard for me to to well okay so i'm like it's not i'll just like lay the cards out like i i kind of get the impression it's like oh it's just like the the punk band before punk was punk if those guys weren't black that wouldn't make a difference to to, to, to new york times sure right right and so okay you can say that and that's fine and so they're trying there's some like kind of like archive like you know kind of like expanding the archive of what it means to be you can you can spin it a lots of ways and make it not sound just purely opportunistic for the New York Times. Like, oh, they're expanding the archive of, like, black music, you know, and what it means to be a black musician in America in the 70s. It doesn't have to just be the, you know, like, you can say, like, that's what their influence, their input, their, that's what the genesis was or the justification for it. But I don't know. I was, I was listening to another podcast, which shall remain nameless, and um, I was listening to it this week, and it was, a guy who wrote an article for The Intercept about the Flint water crisis and how it's like still ongoing and like all like the shitty thing that's going on there. You know, Flint's not far from from Detroit, and it was basically saying that like this guy took this story to all these news sources, to news outlets, including the New York Times, and the New York Times, and it's about basically about like the Flint water crisis is about like an environmental and uh, health crisis reaching a black community but people have like forgotten about it and don't care about it because they're black, you know, it's like essentially if this was happening in, in Cheshire, mm-hmm. you know, Brookline where I grew up, like it would, it would have a different resonance. Wow. Name, uh, all of ours and not yours. Why do, uh, I can't I remember. Did. No, I didn't say Pete didn't grow up in Brookline. Uh, I know, but I, 
I couldn't remember the Andover just, or or he's like, I think that's There a, we go. The that heavy yeah, Jewish that, population town. So that's probably where you grew up. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. I, just like, like, I don't know if you're like hanging out in Kugels <laughs> or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or JP Licks but, uh, by the Coolidge Corner. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy, this reporter, who's who pu- ultimately publishes on the Intercept, says, "I approached the New York Times, and the New York Times editorial team came back to me and said." does this story have any connection to Trump? Because we're not mm. interested in it unless it has some connection to Trump, right? So like the, the point there would be like 2021, 2022, something affecting like a, like a major African-American metropolis in this country doesn't matter unless you can connect it back to something that more directly appeals to like their white mm-hmm. bases and their bourgeois bases values, which is just being freaked out about Trump at any given time. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then like that, I read that, I, I listened to that podcast this week, right before I rewatched the death movie. And I'm just like, yeah, so why is the New York Times really invested in this? And it made me think, and then it makes you question my own investment in it too, right? Because again, the story feels redemptive, but it's like, I would like to believe, hey, you know, regardless of what I feel about myself, but like, I, I do get the impression it's like this, this there i don't know i'm i'm i'm, I'm losing the words here. i so would say uh i don't uh i think it's a very interesting question i think uh we would have to uh find a way to see or hear uh what is the editorial context of what the new york times is going for in 2009 2011 whenever that is uh what's the yeah. entertainment section sure but arts and leisure but still that is guided by something nothing is ever not guided right. by anything and you know uh, right. uh even though trump usurped it uh you know fake news but like like the media <laughs> is like fucking bullshit uh and is controlled by some sort of narrative that's going out of each newspaper and i don't know i can't i i don't know what that narrative would be uh, uh, I, I, you know, I bet there's someone smarter than us who could write something as a larger, like, uh, you know, maybe it would have to be off of a specific time of what newspapers are going for, where it's like, uh, they'll cover the, uh, the black experience in when it comes to art, but when it comes to their like actual, like, you know, neighborhoods being affected, like that won't be covered. Like, I'm sure there's some sort of, and, and what you like, it's like, uh, well, yeah, it wasn't about the. I mean, I guess, I guess I hear what you're saying, Jeff. I think the point I was trying to make was like it's it's important. Like they were interested in it because it was like something from the past, not something present. Because you're not hearing about like contemporary, like you know, African American right. culture in the New York Times sure. in any legitimate sense. Um, so it was like, oh, this thing in the be- in the hist- in the past that like, which is already like a, a distancing effect. Like we can say we're covering like this thing, but we're actually not engaging with it in the present. We're engaging with this thing. I think that, in like, the not cynical version that yeah. I don't know if we can make it ever not completely cynical, but that it would be summed up by uh, uh, I don't remember which brother saying of just like you just all you sit around waiting for that call from the record label. You sit around like just like that's what every musician is waiting for. Like to me, that's the summary of. The, that kind of redemptive story that you know the 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 finally getting your your due finally getting your dream uh uh you know and 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 i go with what you're saying to, i think what you're saying before where it's like you i uh, you know uh, i think none of us are aware of our kind of like you know uh 
honestly like our uh, like internal racisms and how much like i'm invested in just like and they're also a a, a black group that did this right uh but because right. i would like to think but i'm sure it is not complete like that like i like think honestly that that's the part that gets to me the most uh it is i, I would that, i would love to think that, that, that there's that's right. that because that, it's just like because i get that because it's just like yeah it's just like i you know uh, 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 you 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 want to get the kind of recognition for the art and the the thing that you sure. put your entire heart and soul and time into. So Matt, I think you number one. I think it's okay that you share that you listen to Joe Rogan. If you want to tell everyone that's a podcast, it's totally fine. It's totally number fine, two, Matt. I mean that's fine. <laughs> well, like, that is fine. That, it is okay. I didn't know where that was it's coming fine. from. <laughs> All right. I it's didn't the know where that was space. coming from. I got, I got it. And that's what you were listening yeah. to. It was. It, it was it was bad faith. I, I I've talked about it so much. I should I should share. <laughs> it was Joe Rogan. Um, just Joe, Joe Rogan. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> ah, uh, yeah. but uh-huh. number two. I mean, I think it's a it's an interesting point about the Times article. I mean, there's right like a band like Soul Glow or you know any of those bands, Jesus Peace or Zulu. Like they're not going to get written up. A, I don't think. Um, but neither is like any other thing in contemporary black culture right. that like people actually care about who aren't like middle class like you know bourgeois like New York Times readers like they're not reporting yeah. on things outside of right. their interest. And I'm just uh, thinking base. like specific to closer to the punk world. Punk. Because um, you think right, of like a right. band like Bad Brains, who we bring up, just kind of keeps coming back into the fold. Who, so many people sort of big brains, big brains, batter brains. Uh, <laughs> Originally big called brains. big brains. Little known yeah. fact: if the Times wrote about, it, they'd probably tell you that. Uh, are a band that like so many people claim and reference and are never you know like I don't maybe they've gotten the story like this but they deserve to be up there I think it can work on both levels right like I think what Jeff is saying is like for us like watching this like Almost like you give more you 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 give the benefit of the doubt to the record nerd because the record nerds are always want to make the, I mean like the, the the generous reading of a record nerd is they always want to make the discovery they always want to find that thing yeah that and I mean and this is we all are this way right and like and so when something when something new emerges it's actually good that like you can actually like vouch for like without kind of caveat of like yeah you gotta like hear past the production or like you gotta like forget this guy like we can actually be like no this is like this is this is really good you know that is the um, one of the things with the death record it is to me like the suzanne menzel record where it's just like it's not like where it's like this is the lost 45 by this crazy toronto punk band or something and you get and you're like okay <laughs> yeah it's not that sounds it's like punk I don't, I don't, what, what another one <laughs> right let me file it away <gasps> i guess maybe like the one thing is just that like the, when when you make it so much about like the inevitability of the success you know um it's a great it's a great way to fuel your individual mm-hmm. like kind of like you know like or a passion again like you say Jeff like carries you through on the other hand it kind of blurs a lot of the other circumstantial things that can make it happen or not happen which are equally as important right like it it, it matters that this guy um and, it, and the movie covers it, right? It matters that this guy was like, oh, shit, I've got all, you know, like, I've got all these records. Maybe he needed 20 bucks. So he decided to bring the records down to the record store. You know, like, you don't know what that story is fully. But, like, that matters. This faith is just a, is just a feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like sometimes 
you can lose the you can lose the very significant particularities of the story and of the trajectory and how these things work out in right. this one in a million case when we when you make it about like oh no no we all knew that david had this vision and it's like yeah there are lots and it's clear he's a brilliant guy like there's no like he's yeah. a i mean the way he moves from death to the, the, the new band and like he's doing different styles and his solo stuff it's like he's got a musical yeah. mind like and it's and and it's really awesome and it's sad at the same time but there are a lot of other people with musical minds so i don't know well I and just, there's I also a lot of people face, who so. when they kind of have their speeches of like it was inevitable this or that like it had mm -hmm. to happen like i was you know again my cynical i'm just like yeah i've heard that speech from people in my life yeah and then i'll hear the record and be like it ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> like but yeah like or it doesn't yeah. do anything they don't do it they don't finish it for whatever reason right um right uh, well, it's also uh, and not just with records with just life i mean that's also a slight uh you know uh it's 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 hard because that's in my like it's like a it's a uh uh addict narcissism level in there as well it's just, you yeah know. it's right. all it's all yeah. in the stew it's all in the stew right, right? because it's like yeah. not to say that they're also spending you know so much time practicing on their craft which was a dedication to the work that they wanted to do and not because of a higher power. I mean, in my opinion, I guess. Uh, and then, well, it's like without yeah. the faith version, it is the, the, I mentioned it before, but like the, the Donnie and whatever Emerson records, like where it's like, you know, the story and why they're making the movie out of that is like the dad was a farmer and he believed in him. So he took a mortgage out on the farm and like, built them a studio and a Bad <laughs> yeah, idea. and a venue for 300 people with a ticket booth and made them sign a contract that they had to do originals or whatever and like yeah like i'm just like that's not a good idea right. like it's a great story but that's a terrible idea yeah. <laughs> like, it, it sounds like you, a best in show story. yes it does sound like a a, a, a christopher guest like joke but, no no sorry, Pete, but i say? think you know obviously with uh, with the, I don't know what the age in terms of like who's oldest and youngest, but with David, um, you know, as you see his life go on, like he, and the way his, his wife talks about him of he's, he's just sort of lost. It sounded like in his path that, you know, he wanted to keep yeah. playing music in. And I think to some extent, all of them are, that's still their main drive and they're doing other jobs so that they can, yeah still play music um but there's you know when i don't know if either of you have seen like the, the daniel johnson movie um but that's like a a different example of someone in a very different place who maybe didn't have faith in his life and you're seeing where his life has gone um and yeah. so some people are able and i'm not saying that you know david was in that space uh to that extent but it's like having a higher power having faith can sort of i don't want to say mask but can help with some of that or use it in different ways yeah it's a force right like but it, it's the force but there's a difference and i think we're saying the same thing there's a difference between it being a force that propels you and being mm -hmm. the explanation that that kind of explains how things happened because, like, I think it's important to have some kind, I mean, it's essential to have some kind of faith in, or belief yeah. in something yourself, whatever it is, right? 
but that's not that those things can't really be the subject of the documentary because they're not like it could if, if you're if you're trying to make a documentary that's about faith right. but if you're making a documentary about how right. this band well, we watched that one Matt. it's called christ Core. it can't really <laughs> <laughs> well because how this one recovered was having faith in record nerds right you know what I Record mean? Like, are, it's like, they're mostly, like, I'm machine. realizing, like, I literally just wrote down a note in my notes that just says, Matt Smith is, yep, a record collector. <laughs> 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 um, but, yeah, like, I do think, like, uh, you know, it is a, uh, if, if, if that was the story in this, it would be, like, this is a story of faith and phew, this one worked mm-hmm. out, like, versus... Yeah. This is a story of faith in delusion. Um, you know, I mean, like, you know, people because I, I think that's the thing. It's like what I said before when it's like he's they're kind of giving their speeches. I'm like, I've heard these speeches from people who are delusional, like success delusion. The movie has that like, I mean, tension in it. Right. Like this, this is not the movie. The story is because like, yeah, death gets back together. But the guy who is like the visionary mm-hmm. <laughs> isn't yeah. there. You know, they didn't happen. It's in the time. It happens, you know, like it's it, It's almost like a coming to peace. It is a success, but it's also a coming. It's like, it's like kind of setting things in order, you know, like laying them to rest because it's not the same. It's, it's, it's not death. It's, it's not like they're doing Rolling Stones tours. It's not like they're doing the Stooges tour, you know, like, it, like the Stooges reunion right. tour. It's like they're doing this like it's it's in separ- like even the there's it's like what, great four but death they're record? doing the magic stick which i was like yeah. oh yeah i played there like i was just like oh yeah i did i think i did it twice like i drove from i was actually i watched and i was like ugh, that's the show that we were in atlanta and they our booking agent was like you got to play the show with the von bondies it's going to be huge so you have to drive from atlanta to detroit <laughs> in one night and then we got there. I was like, that was not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Sucked. No one cared. It was the same fucking show we play every fucking other place. Like, why do we do that stupid drive? But either way, I guess, like, just, like, why I'm saying that is, like, it isn't, uh, I mean, it, it, it it's clearly important to it. But, like, it's not that it's not important, but it's not this, like, it's not Stooges reunion of, like, we're going to get Stooges money. Right. Not, like, not Iggy Pop money sort of thing. But in addition to the music, it's this other thing. So, like, what feels like the most successful moment or the most kind of, like, what what feels like the crescendo moment? Not successful. It's, that's the wrong word totally. But, like, the kind of emotional peak might be, and correct me if, you know, you got, or not correct me, just it is just an opinion. <laughs> <And> sorry. <laughs> yeah. My opinions can't be wrong because um, they're mine. Uh, the... Um, the moment when they get the two brothers get back together with the new guitarist yeah. and they start practicing and the um, the guitarist starts and then he turns around because the other guys aren't with him anymore and he's like I fucked yeah, up the right. song and they're mad at me because I, f- I fucked up his brother's music and they turn around and the b- both brothers are crying yeah and um, that feels like the cathartic like it feels like the emotional high point of the movie in a certain way Definitely. you know there's something mm-hmm. there's a release when they're playing live after that but that's 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 all to show that yeah. they're on the other end of the thing right like it's almost like getting all this shit is leading uh, all the the success is leading to the point where they can be in the room and just like 
get it out, get the, you know. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I think that. And I, I think, think if know, that's the. I was gonna say also like when he's seeing his kids play their songs. I think that was also a sort of like whoa. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. 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 No, I do think. I mean, that's the. That's the. Uh, that is the reason why the death story works. The story that is so good is in, and like why it's also also a like an emotionally resonant story uh, and works in there is that it isn't because a little bit like I like was like, Oh no, do I not remember the end of this movie? And then I realized weirdly that I was merging this movie with uh, best worst movie. That documentary about Troll Two. <laughs> what? Uh, well, because like part of it is like the redemption of realizing now that this bad movie has become a cult movie, and then the dentist who is the head actor, the the lead actor in that movie, like starts to like do conventions, and he's like, "This is awesome. I love being a dentist, mm. but like, I'm like living this like kind of weird Hollywood dream. Like, I'm getting all these people who are into me, and then." part of that story is like okay i think i'm just gonna go back to being a dentist (laughs) (laughs) like he's just like he starts to have like a moment that feels very much like being on tour in that documentary where he's like trying to sell shirts that like and it's just like no one's really cares that much anymore i'm tired of doing this it's not stable like i just like i'd rather just maybe go back to just doing what i did like and and I worried about that, but that like that's the nice part about it, and actually connects in my mind to the to maybe the most punk part about it, at least in how the story is being given to us. Because again, this is we always have to say like somewhat like documentaries are giving us a story. That's just all, and that's what a lot of this is about is the story, even more so than other ones. But it makes so much sense that their kids became punks and right. punks in the yeah. world that we come from, clearly. Like we were just like, right. I was like, oh, you guys are Venn diagram. We have the same friends because, yeah, the important part is not that they're playing some big venue and finally getting their payday. Like that they're finally getting like a, even the recognition, the recognition per se. It is the emotional resonance of there's never complete closure but that yeah. story about the guitarist sounding just like their brother and filling in that social or, or that sonic hole in a lot of ways is like, wow, it's very nice to see people in pain about loss, uh, alcoholism, uh, substance abuse, death, uh, gain some sort of peace and closure because yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah like it's just like most of us don't right all right pete give us our okay. ratings here all right all right here we go wait you gotta uh, explain each, it yes go yeah on yeah. Now. each week i've been trying to each week here at doc still death when we cover a documentary we like to give it a rating we don't do rating and a normal setting, we don't do one to ten. We don't do two thumbs up, two thumbs down. We what are some other ones? Own, I saw you. you had a little uh, bit there. Well, what I was gonna, I was gonna get, I was gonna go back to <laughs> Matt talk of uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I derailed <laughs> it. <laughs> yep. Anyways, um, here at Doxtel Death, we like to 
do a different rating each time. Think you covered this already? We we've already covered no. And so we come up with uh, some ratings based on the movie. And so they're all based in uh, is this movie as punk as? And th- three of them change each week. One stays a constant, which is as punk as Dave Grohl. So Matt, can you remind us what the rating is for this week? The other three ratings are, is this movie as punk as Kid Rock not knowing anything about death? Is this movie as punk as uh, Questlove saying death was the Ramones before the Ramones were the Ramones? Is this movie as punk as turning down a record deal because you are because you refuse to change the band's name? Or is this movie as punk as Dave Grohl? I know what I'm going for. What's that? This movie is as punk as turning down a fucking record deal from Clive fucking Davis at Arista Records. <laughs> because that is what this movie is about. We talked about it in different variations. We talked about it uh, 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 in, you know, uh, our kind of, uh, uh, you know, New York Times sort of way. Uh, but uh, this movie in this band is about uh, ultimately – I think, you know, having faith in the fucking art that you're putting out, having faith in the thing that you are doing, having faith that however it will work out, it should is the way it kind of should work out. You know, in their case, they were, you know, knew that it would turn into the music being released. But uh, as we kind of connected at the end, I do think it uh, it felt like that brought the connection to it being closer to the kind of world of hardcore that we come from the world of punk that we come from and the world of kind of creating creative stuff and art that we uh, come from and that it's not uh, look getting a little cashish is pretty nice. Getting a little recognition is very nice uh, for that uh, late night wake up at three in the morning anxiety that I have almost every night. But <laughs> what it really is about is that you're fucking creating the music that you want to be creating. Uh, you're you're doing it in spite of someone trying to make it something different and uh, that it is a connection of have your brothers back. Is there anything more punk? Is there anything more hardcore than that? This ain't mm-hmm. about stabbing in the back. This is about having your brothers back. Brotherhood. Nice. Sisterhood. Well. well. Death. Well. <laughs> Well said. Well said. Matt, well said. I'd love to hear your review about the movie you may or may not have watched. Jesus Christ, I watched the movie. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna echo Jeff and say this movie is as punk as turning down a record deal because you didn't want to change your band name. Because I think uh, that is just like a kind of a very like you know tough uh, stick to your guns, uh, self possessed decision. It's also a decision that uh, led, you know, either directly or indirectly to a lot of uh, personal pain. Like a lo- it, it didn't, it didn't, did not end in the way that they had hoped. It wasn't like they got turned, they, they turned this label down and they got another deal. Um, it sounds like it was like a decision that sort of uh, accelerated a downward spiral for the guy who was in, who was, um, David, who was the key party responsible for turning them that deal. 
So it's both like a tough, stick to your guns, idealistic decision. And in a way that is very punk and hardcore, it is often those decisions that ultimately do us when we're trying to meet with other people in the real world a disservice. Um, you know, and so when those things happen and this is how the movie goes like you know you hope to get some recognition down the line and ultimately this band does get recognition but the guy who stuck to his guns and was the most idealistic wasn't there to appreciate it so it's a mixed bag and uh in all the ways that uh sticking to your guns and doing things the punk way is a mixed bag is there anything more punk than (laughs) self-sabotage Nope. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> no. Uh, self-righteous self-sabotage. Yeah, self-righteous self-sabotage. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Maybe, no. Maybe Is that why I related to it so much? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matt, you did, you done good. Thanks. I watched uh, the movie. Yeah, th- I guess so. Um, what were the name of the bands or again? Or you, you just regurgitated what <laughs> Jeff said. What? Who now? So Naked Francis... Uh, <laughs> I think I wanted to go with what both you said, but I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, mix it up a little bit. What? I'm gonna mix it up. I'm not I'm gonna, gonna get a three Pete. Pete. If you say Dave Grohl, I'm gonna punch you through the screen. Yeah, this so ain't no I'm Dave gonna Grohl. say this. Colin Guar. This ain't no Dave Grohl. Dave. It's not as punk as Dave Grohl. No. I'm going with the the Questlove comment. Hmm. Oh. I'm going with that because. It's a very lazy comparison. I don't even know if he was being lazy or if it's just like he didn't listen to the band in the way that Matt didn't watch the doc. I don't know like <laughs> why, but <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry, Matt. I'm just gonna keep. I could I carumba till the bitter uh, end. <laughs> I carumba. Nicest guy uh, in hardcore. <laughs> he just always gives it out. I got to give it back. Um, <laughs> You're just psyched. So I get it. I get it. I'm going. <laughs> Because it's a lazy comparison, and I also think when you think about the the band's history, a lot of people kind of put them in different categories, didn't give them the time of the day, overlook them, and ultimately was sort of the demise of the band because they just couldn't keep going based on not getting that recognition that they deserved. And so while... Uh, you know, the Ramones are a good band. Uh, it's still overlooking and just comparing a band to another band that have nothing really in common. Um, and I think that they deserve they deserve better than that. Got that right. Well said. Well said. Well said. Well said. I, Especially I will the say part I, about Matt. Well said. Well said. <laughs> I didn't say this at any point while we were discussing it. Um, it's my turn to pick a movie, right? It is a Matt pick. Yeah, okay. that's always so this scary. is a, this is a good segue because what I want to say is one last thing about the death documentary, which is there was moments after I watched it before we started recording where I was debating, is this the best music documentary uh, that is this for me, the best music documentary in existence? Wow. I, I, I think this I strong- went into this week worried because I felt like the. Uh, the text hazing I was getting based on <laughs> because originally and we'll redo this I had picked the slits uh, documentary but we couldn't watch it because you couldn't find it so I had to repick and I threw out some ideas and I was getting a lot of dirty text messages 
Oh, I was separate from the... your picks. That was just <laughs> just <laughs> living life on the yeah. text chain. But I'm yeah. surprised to hear that. I wasn't sure if you were a fan of this or not. No, I do. I do. I do. I do. wasn't sure if you're a fan of this. I do. I didn't ask you to marry me, but there Fair we go. Enough. No, I just married the documentary. That's how much I love it. I do. <laughs> Don't even make the joke because I did marry it. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. You think you're funny, but fuck you because I just fucked this laser disc. Oh, you got the laziness for sure. This. Yep. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I think I, I, I'm not. I'm not convinced. I'm not. I haven't convinced myself that it's not the best one. Still, I think it might be. Uh, it's up there. It hits and lands and takes you on a ride in a way that many of these movies do not. Yeah. Like, you and know, it doesn't like, get that recognition. You know, like if you put in like top or best punk docs or best music docs, like this does not get. Not into that top ten. No, it's not on the top. It's. I mean, it is. It is more. We talked a lot. And the last thing I'll say about it is we talked a lot when we did the the filth and the fury about kind of the emotional resonance of that one and and with um, you know John Lydon talking about Sid Vicious's death and all that stuff. And that was a touching moment. Mm-hmm. But this movie sustains like an emotional. And you, you sus- those it's a are a handful of moments that are plucked out of un uh, unwavering people. Yeah, versus. yeah, it's it's a con- it's it's almost like yeah, like there it's 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 powerful because it's against type when it happens. Yeah, but this one, it's like it's it's um, there's like yeah, these people are kind of like their emotions are on the surface throughout, and you're it's like you're it's you're being touched by it throughout, yeah. and that's yeah. Um, it and feels like this is like a long setup to <laughs> be like yep. we got to such heights. Let me destroy yeah. it all. I thought hey, you were going to hey, go into hey. that you were picking the, the Questlove movie or something. No, but Je- Jeff actually hit the point. So the transition here was we just watched what might be the best. Well, I want to watch a movie. Oh, no, that we're going to going the to, worst. That might, that's that, what's that, happening. That, Jeff. That's, I didn't start this. You know he had this in his head so hold all on. this time. But we haven't done any feature films this season. Right. That's right. That's, 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 I've almost pushed it. So do you have one another one? Here or there. I but I'm wor- I'm here's the thing. It's Matt. He wants to punish us. So I've got now a list of good ones. I'm like, oh, great. Maybe we'll watch Green Room. Maybe we'll watch 24-Hour mm. Party People. It's connected. Mm. Maybe we'll watch. But what will be those the sound like bad Jeff one? Those sound like Jeff picks to me. Yeah, those are definitely <laughs> Jeff picks. Because, again, I'm thinking of what are good ones that are feature films. But I also know Matt isn't going to give us a good one. So now we're, okay, lay, the, lay this out. Yeah, well, let's hear I'm, this. I'm excited. I don't think I'm going to do a bad one. Just a painful one. No. I mean, Empire <laughs> Records was really well liked when it was. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 um, I think we're going to do Suburbia, the, uh, the, the feature okay. film Suburbia. Okay. <laughs> that one works. I, f- I, I, was, I really was going to do um, the other F word, but we haven't done a feature film, and I feel like we need to keep I, – I, like I, like um, I like the variety. I love that the, like – the allure of the the other f word will carry on <laughs> through now multiple seasons, and we are the only ones who have any connection so to it. Stakes, in the yeah. End. There's any, there's no stakes <laughs> in the other f word for literally anyone. But I tell you, I'm excited for Suburbia because that means I get to watch it on my favorite network, Pluto TV. <laughs> and I'm gonna say, hey, until next week, I'm Jeff Garlic, up the punks. I'm Pete Zetlin.
I don't, I don't have any. Ooh, wow. Wow. I got it. Ooh. And I'm Matt. Bow to the bow wow. Bow to the bow wow. <laughs> Thank you. Bow with the bow. Come on. <laughs>